That Tattoo Show is sponsored by Electrum, Tattoo Everything Supplies and Total Tattoo Magazine. Thanks for your support, guys. What is happening? Welcome back to another weekly episode of That Tattoo Show is a tattoo podcast. We are on all major streaming platforms and there's some that aren't major. They're just normal streaming platforms. I am Chris and as always... I'm Paul. Uh, yeah, uh, the easy way to remember that is you're streaming everywhere yeah. every Sunday. I just like changing it up every fucking, uh, every week, like, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, we got a show for you this week, I think. We're going to have a little bit of a catch-up, but there's a little bit of news that we want to pick up on. We've, we've got some Paul and Chris news as well. And I think the bulk of this week's episode will be discussing one comment that came through this week. That's pretty much the uh, the plot or the summary of this week's of show. what's going to happen, Yeah. <laughs> Before I before I do this intro that you know I hate doing, love it uh, because I'm I'm trying to get out of it basically. So if you would like to record yourself, you can just record it on the phone. You can do it upright, and you can be a guest presenter on the show for this section because I'm trying to get rid of this job because I don't want it. Um, all you all you have to do is go, Chris. What's in the news? That's all you have to do. The other thing that you can do is if you'd like to stand in for Chris, you could do your best impersonation of, of a Yobro. Yeah. Um, if you happen to be in a band or a choir or a gospel choir, uh, anything like that, and you can come up with any kind of interest. A parrot. If you could teach a parrot. Yeah, if you could teach a parrot to do it, that would be amazing. Uh, if you happen to be an incredibly famous Hollywood actor, uh, then that would be even more amazing. Yeah. Uh, if you're a very famous musician, we would love to see you doing that on the show. That would, that would probably stay in the show show forever uh and basically anything that i can do to get out of having to do this intro and you can get involved this is your opportunity to, to you can put it in your cv i am a co-presenter of that tattoo show <laughs> <laughs> brackets news section right and then you can do it send them over that tattoo show at gmail.com send us over the uh, a, a little file of it on your phone and we'll put you in every week and uh, we'll put up your Instagram or your website or whatever you want us to put up. We'll put that up for you as a thank I you. I don't think you should, just so he, so he does do uh, it. You he will have my eternal thanks for I, getting me out of this particular part of the show. And so I can't put it off any longer. Me out, guys, you know, like hashtag cult of Paul, step in for me here, please, you know. Hashtags, <laughs> stop Paul being a lazy fucker. <laughs> So all that's left for me to say at the beginning of the news is... <laughs> Chris! Yo, bro. What's in the news, mate? So, news week, like, like Paul said, it was pretty quiet, but there was one thing that I wanted to... Well, I, I seen in the news, and I just thought it was fucking mental. Uh, it came up, uh, a tattooist from South Wales shared it, and it is from the Caffili Observer. If you don't know what Caffili is, it's a small town in South Wales. And the, st- the headline is... Caffili tattooist accused of inking 16-year-old in exchange for sex. And basically, from what it looks like, is a tattooist who's... An, and this is this is what makes it fucking mental. This guy is like... He's 57 years old. He is an Elvis impersonator. He is a tattoo artist. Um, he allegedly had sex in his piercing room after the underage girl... Well, the young girl was underage for a tattoo, pleaded with him f- to basically give her a tattoo. And it's something along the lines of like, you know, 
tattoo me, tattoo me, tattoo me. And she's like, no, no, no. She's like, I'll do anything. And where most people have some fucking bit of credibility about themselves. They uh, would morality. Go, morality. Yeah, that's the word as well. Morality, credibility, whatever. Um, they would say, no, it's illegal. Now, fuck off and come back when you're 18. That guy has gone, hmm, I wonder if I can get a blowjob. And he's ended up and he's turned around and he's obviously, you know, yeah. traded tattooed for sex. Uh, so he's tattooed, not only is he tattooed a minor, he's completely breached any form of trust that he could ever have with any other clients. Um, and he's, yeah, it's, I, I personally think it's fucking wrong. Like, regardless of her age, even if she was like fucking 18, I think like, you know, if you, if, if you go down a slippery slope, if you're tr- exchanging tattoos for sexual favours, like, do you mean? But it looks like this has happened over a period of time, you know, from the age of 16 to 18, and, and he's been paying her and everything, like, but, yeah, that's what I've seen in the news, and I was a bit like, well, that's a bit fucking... And cut. he's been prosecuted He's in, He's been taken to court. He's in court. He's, he's currently in court. That's why I, that's why I said allegedly. <laughs> Right, okay. So, yeah, it's but he, he has been charged because he's going to court, so he would have been well, charged with the offence. Yeah, let me see. Uh, Foreshadowing. Newport, this is this is coming up. I'm going to have to yeah. explain something about English law to you in a minute. You'll so it says, uh, sex took place in title parlour, the now closed studio one on Piccadilly Square after the girl pestered him for a title and told him I'll do anything. Newport Crown Court heard the gentleman later had intercourse and oral sex with a girl a number of times. Um, so yeah, it's, it's in court. The trial has happened. I mean, I I personally don't even think the age should even be a part of this uh, story. You know, obviously the age makes it even darker. But the age is for the illegal tattooing. I don't think that you know uh, turning around to your clients and going, you know, uh, uh, you know, as a form of payment or a tip, I'll accept a, a blowy. You know, I mean, yeah. I just like regardless of the age or sex or anything of of your of your client, I just I, I just like it's not a good look, is it? You know, predatory men in in those kind of positions. Unfortunately, it's not the first time it's happened, and probably won't be the last. Talking of being in hot water for um, accusations of sexual misconduct. <laughs> Talking of sexual yeah. favors. Uh, well, no, the the reason I don't want to phrase it like that is that. Uh, nothing has been proven and it's uh, unfounded accusations at the moment. So before I go any further, in case you're not in the UK and you're listening to this, uh, I need to give you a basic understanding of the way uh, English law works, which I imagine is not that dissimilar from a lot of countries. In England, uh, if you are accused of a crime by another member of the public, you are not guilty until you are proven Guilty. So you are... Innocent until proven guilty. Innocent until proven guilty, right? If you are accused and the crime is enough that the police force, uh, you know, the, in, in England or, or Wales or wherever you are, uh, feel that there is, an, you know, some stuff that needs to be looked into, they will carry yes. out a criminal investigation. And if they believe that what you've done uh, is... Uh, you know, you should be fined or incarcerated for it. They will then charge you with a crime. At that point, you are still not guilty. You're still innocent until you are proven to be guilty. Um, 
Now, that wouldn't appear to be the case if your name is Russell Brand. Oh, yeah, it's fucking... I see that. Right, so I've been, I've been tracking this story for a few days because, like I say, I've had my conspiracy hat on, so I've been watching a bunch of his content, so obviously I bumped into this story that's come out. And he, he has been accused, um, and... If he's guilty, then he'll, you know, he'll he'll be charged, and and you know, and, and then then a trial. Can I ask a question? Yes, of course you can. Has he been? Has he? Uh, so, from what I've read, it was a newspaper has done an investigation. Yeah, I think they, yeah, the investigation is so, a newspaper that have done it. So, are they the ones that have done the accusation, or has somebody come forward accusing him? I don't know. And then you know, Dave in the newspaper has gone, oh, let's investigate him. Yeah. So it's it would appear to be. A newspaper story. Now we know from you know that that journalism has gone down in quality drastically over the last few oh, years, and terrible. so that it's become um, very untrustworthy. So I'm not inclined to believe that the the news story is entirely based in truth. It might be. I mean, it could be completely true. But um, but as it stands, he's not been charged with anything. So he is, yeah. in the eyes of the law in England, still an innocent man. Um, and what should happen now is that should, you know, that should go over to the police. They, they do a, 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 a criminal investigation. They charge him with a crime if they feel that there's a charge to be answered. He'll go to court and then he'll have to answer the charge, right? And then he may have to pay fines. He may have to go to prison, you know, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. What's not supposed to happen is a member of the English government starts emailing YouTube and Rumble and, you know, all of the various social media outlets and telling them to demonetize his channel. That can't be legal. I'm I'm pretty certain it can't be legal, but I'm not sure, you know, I, I'm not sure if you can do that. Um, so a member of the English government has got in touch in, uh, in certainly in one piece of information that's going about to the, the owners of the uh, platform Rumble, <clears throat> where Russell Brand has a channel, uh, and I've asked him to, and I've asked them to demonetize his channel based on this accusation from a newspaper, which is un, as yet unproven and no criminal charge has been brought yet, right? So this is, a, like I said to you, this is a little bit like... Um, you know, you arrive at work tomorrow to find out that Mary, that you work with, the government have decided that Mary might possibly do something that might possibly be bad, possibly in the future, and have told their employer to stop paying her because she might commit a crime. It's starting to feel a bit minority report to me. Hang on a second, all right. I just, I, 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 I just think, you know, like, like <clears throat> even if, right, he is guilty... That person still has no right fucking contacting YouTube and asking nope. them, like... No, nope. they have absolutely no... I don't think there's any legal grounds for them being able to do that kind of thing. But then, I so I did a little bit more research into this because I was like, that sounds very weird to me. And, like, you know, yeah. like I'm worried about the nanny state that they seem to be starting to, um, like, set up in the UK. The UK... Uh, certainly from some of the footage that I've seen of politicians recently, it would uh, would appear to be going very, very right-wing, 
which is always a little bit worrying when, when you start talking about anything that involves the word right and far. You know, <laughs> you know mm. it always becomes problematic in the next couple of paragraphs, right? So I always get a little bit worried about this. So the my understanding of this is that the, the member of the government who has written this letter to Rumble um, either a member of her family or a husband, I think it's her husband, is ahead of the thing. Now, this is something I'd never heard allegedly. of. Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. Is he is the head of the 77th Battalion. Now, I'd never heard of the 77th Battalion in um, in the British Army. I believe it's an army uh, thing. Um, and they are a PSYOP battalion. Like, you know, so... These are soldiers that spend all day, from what I can work out, on Facebook and the internet spreading propaganda on behalf of the British, the Crown and the military and um, dispelling any other propaganda that's coming in from other countries. Now, when you when you know that this is essentially a, proper, a propaganda battalion, right, uh, that work for the government... And that what Russell Brand does on his podcast and his show... It's very anti-government. It's not even anti-government. It's just an alternative news source with a different point of view and a different way of looking yeah. at the facts and going, is this um, quite the narrative that we think it is? Is this, is this yeah. correct, right? So all that Russell Brand is doing is asking the question a lot of the time about a lot of stuff of like what's actually going on and saying stuff that maybe the English government would prefer that he didn't say. And so to at the moment, as it stands, like I say, if he's if he's proven to be guilty and he's charged and he goes to court, I think, he, you know, for the record, if that's proven, then he, you know, then, then that's abhorrent and he, you know, he deserves everything that he gets. But as it stands yeah. at the moment, he is an innocent man who stands accused, nobody has proved his guilt, he's like blue and green ink getting banned, <laughs> right? He yeah, is yeah. blue and green ink right now. And so they've got, uh, as it stands, there is no charge to answer, right? There is no criminal investigation. There might be a criminal investigation going on, but none I can find out. But the English government have stepped in and gone, demonetize this man, stop any ability that he has for making money uh, and presumably this comes, you know, this is has got some kind of connection to this PSYOP 77th Battalion, if they even exist. Tinfoil atters, get your tinfoil out and find out who they are and uh, what they do. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I haven't I, had a I, lot I think... of time to look into it. But I've got to be honest with you, mate. All, with all that said, I just think generally that kind of shit is worrying to me, that the English government will step in this far. Like you say, it's got to be illegal. Well, do they just go, yeah, it is today, but it won't be tomorrow? Do you know what I mean? Like, what happens then when they just start demonetizing random, you know, people off the street and going, right, you're not, you haven't got a job no more, you ain't got a job no more, we don't like what you posted on the internet, so we told your employer to not pay you for last month. Like, you you can't do that to, the, to British subjects, you, like how is that how is that legal how is that right more than anything how, how is that right you know and that worries me about where our government currently are in in their belief of how much government we need it's a lot more fucking government than what i think we need right now as tattooing 
lost some of its edginess and its weirdness? And is that a good thing or a bad so, thing? So I think like the edginess tattooing had when I first started going to conventions, some of that being lost is a good thing because I think there was like this side of tattooing when I used to first went to conventions and you'd be there tattooing and you'd have all these fucking bikers. Different never life. bothered me. Do you know what I mean? And it's never as bothered me. You know, <clears> I kind of expect motorbikes to be... Oh, mate, I didn't give a I fuck. Like, I expect motorbikes to be parked outside. For me, motorbikes and tattoos are like, you know salt and pepper they go together you know what I mean it just works right you know yeah. to me motorbikes are part of tattoo culture like hot rods are part of tattoo culture um, and I now it's Star Wars and Playstations and Xboxes well this is kind of what we're talking about right is is it Star Wars and Playstations and you know and, and turkey teeth yeah, and all that I mean and but you know like, I was talking to somebody about this earlier because I've got a guest artist at the studio at the moment, which is why I've been at work all day. A, a girl called Molly's guesting with us for a couple of days. There's some beautiful tattoos. And uh, we were chatting about um, the way tattoo conventions have changed. And I, and I was saying to her that, I think I, I talked about this in the London show report. So if you haven't seen it, it'll be linked at the end of, the, of this show. But um, I've been working these shows for like 15 years and just doing yeah. what a job in tattooist does, turn up, chuck my banner up, set my table out, uh, sit down, start tattooing, do that for three days and go home. And like, there's quite a lot of conventions that I've worked seven, eight years in a row and never walked around the convention. And so yeah. I'm learning about tattoo culture and tattoo conventions through a camera lens because I'm walking around with my camera now, right? Yeah. And I'm starting to realise that actually... Like the stuff about tattoo culture that I really like is all the opposite of what I thought I would have liked when I kind of walked into this world 15 years ago. Like I've said to you, I was yeah. horrified by the bad graphic design and the terrible banners and the gaudiness of it all. But now I look at it, having spent 15 years in this industry, and go, actually, that's what this industry is all about. It is about the bloke with the leopard in his booth, with a with a crow on his hat yeah. and... You know, and and the odd people that you meet with, just like weird business cards, and you know, I was talking to somebody about, I was, I think it was the Florence convention that I was working a few years ago, and I'm sitting tattooing, and honestly, it was one of the, the those times when I thought I was tripping. A girl walked past me, topless, pushing a pram, but in the pram was a full grown man. Right, but just his head with like a sewn-on baby body in the pram, like Diddy Dick and Dom. If you've not seen this, like look it up on YouTube, Diddy Dick and Dom. And like, so, she, but her where she would have a dress, her bum was a snail. So the bottom of her was a snail, but the top of her was naked, and she's pushing a pram. And I'm like, tattooing, going, did, Karen, did you see the topless girl? With the pram, and she went yes. I went, oh, thank fuck for that. I thought I was having a flashback or something, and then, and I think that was Florence. I, I never got an explanation for it as to what was going on. Um, a lot of Italian conventions have a lot of body painting, which was yeah. you know, I'm, and my Italian's not quite good enough to figure out what was being said about you know the body painting. Seen? Fucking good body painting, but I never quite understood what was going. on. Do you know on. what I haven't seen for ages in a tattoo convention? People on stilts. People on stilts, right? So. Like, when did that stop? Like, why, why? Yeah, why? Uh, no, where, where, like. where have the circus performers gone, right? Um, the other one, I think, was Berlin. Yes, it was Berlin. 
Uh, and I'm, I was literally in my booth on Friday morning setting up for my clients to arrive. And this seven and a half foot tall, 20 stone man in a pink leotard, right? Pink like a leotard. So it was, he was cutting a bit of a, a bit of a shape. You know what I mean? He was covered in pink balloons. So all pinned to his leotard. And on his chest, he got an old fashioned telephone with a speaker. And he's, and he's talking into the earpiece and he was just walking past everybody going, Guten Morgen, Guten Morgen. And like, I looked up and went, Karen. And she went, yeah, I saw that as well. I'm like, thank fuck for that. That's, that's weird. And I never, that was never fully explained to me as to what's the pink guy doing. Now, yeah. the reason I'm telling you these daft stories is for me, with my new viewport on the world of tattooing via the viewfinder of the camera that I'm talking to you on, um, I'm realising that those are all my favourite bits about tattooing. And Yeah, and we don't have it anymore. No, and I, th- and I wonder, like, because I've stopped working tattoo conventions over the last few years. I haven't worked one since 2019, right? So I, I work Moscow, uh, probably for the last time I'll ever be able to go to Moscow. But, um, <laughs> but what I'm starting to realise is the stuff that I love about the world of tattooing is the weird stuff. It is the edgy characters. Yeah. It is the more difficult side of tattooing, like the fact that there are, you know, bike clubs there because that's part of culture, that there are, you know, that there are burlesque dancers, some very unusual characters walking around covered in tattoos, dressed as lizards with this tongue split and all that. I love that variety. And the, re- the reason I'm kind of building up to this is one of the arguments for like making tattooing a little bit more sanitary and prim and proper, if you like, was for inclusivity. But I would argue that tattooing has always been inclusive. It didn't matter who you were and who you bumped uglies with or anything like that, what, you know, what your race, your gender, your creed, it it didn't matter. If you were a human with skin and you wanted a tattoo, you were going to get one. And I, I... I would argue yeah. that tattooing has always been inclusive. So there was no need for a set of people to come in and go, oh, I've got into tattooing and I don't like this world, so we're going to change it to suit me. Now, from my own experience and the experience of my peers, uh, you know, when the graphic scene was starting up maybe 15 years ago, you know, there was maybe half a dozen of us around the world that were making these weird tattoos. And all of us, not just me, we all got a lot of criticism because it was a new style and tattooists, you know, like we've talked about on this show on a number of occasions, tattooists are always suspicious of any new style because the first question is, I want to see it in five years. I don't believe that that will work. It's too small, the details are too fine, or I don't get it, it's not going to hold up, it's going to look weird in a few years. And instead of standing and moaning and making the wanting to make the tattoo world accept me without any proof I just went okay come back in five years then right and I've just carried on tattooing and carried on being criticized and people you know like not getting it and you have to accept that if you're doing something that's outside of the culture of tattooing and you're just trying to add your voice to the to the conversation you've got to prove that it's a valid voice right that it's worth listening yeah, but to the thing Do you is know what I mean? so- yeah, but the thing is, like going back to the inclusivity, inclusivity side of tattooing, like tattooing as a industry, as a business, as a you know, 
as a community, it has no choice but to be inclusive because there's so many people from so many different walks of life that get into tattooing that if it wasn't inclusive, you wouldn't have that. You know, you can, you can literally go to a tattoo convention, you know, and you've got like somebody that would be classed as like a chav next to like a a full on metal head next to a fucking furry. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Fucking. But that's just the way tattooing is. It's inclusive as fuck. It's the way tattooing was, you know. Now, yeah, it was. I I think, one thing I want to say though, right? Yeah. Like about the, the way tattooing was and the way it is now. I do think that, tattooing now is somewhat guided by trends online and that's where things are going wrong. Do you know what I mean? People are too interested in get becoming viral and following these trends and then that's what's transitioning over to tattoo conventions then. Well, I think... Do you get what I, I, mean? I would argue that that's not just tattooing. I think that's the world in general is becoming too fascinated with trends online and going viral. It's brought us the post-truth yeah. uh, era of journalism, which is, you know, absolutely nonsense and it's just not journalism. Um, and, and I think that tattooing is falling foul of the same kind of thing, um, which is yeah, uh, uh, which is worrying to me, you know, because I think the whole point about tattooing is it's a lowbrow art form. It's outsider art, right? Um now, this isn't to do with the quality of the work because I actually think we've probably got the best quality of work across the board than we, that we've ever had. And that the even the younger artists who are, have, have got less experience are far better than has, has ever been in the world of tattooing. But I do think that there are... Um, not everybody, and it's not just young people or anything like that. I'm not, you know, not banging on about generational stuff, but there are people coming to it with a set of ideas and beliefs that are formed from internet ideas or um, where the world is at the moment and saying, oh, we need to make tattoo inclusive. It was, it was, it was always inclusive. I also have a sneaking suspicion that the people behind woke culture despise the working classes and as a working class art form, they by extension despise tattooing for that reason and would rather turn it into something that was a little bit more middle class generally i might be absolutely wrong so, uh, are, you saying, ass, but, you are you saying are you saying are you saying the conspiracy there is that for example the, the these people are potentially driving up the cost and the, the, the desirability of tattooing in order to make sure that the lower class people can no longer take part in that industry, like well, I mean, therefore making it non-inclusive. So a, a little while ago now, we talked about tattoo history. Um, and uh, one of the, th- and I'll come back to that, is why I think it's important to know your tattoo history. If, if, uh, if you've done <clears throat> any research into it, then you would know in the early days of tattooing, certainly in England, which I can only really speak about England with any great certainty, uh, in Victorian times, so we're talking eighteen mid eighteen hundreds, I guess. Um, the yeah. tattooing was the premise of the super rich. Uh, yeah, you, it was very upper class, yeah, and wasn't it was it? actually it was, uh, George Burchett who brought tattooing to the working classes, and which is why he's kind of 
commonly known as the king of the or the grandfather or king of the tattooers. Right? I think it's king of the tattooers is his title, and um, and so George Birchett Davis was the the guy that you know kind of brought tattoo into the masses. Uh, and made tattooing kind of, you know, what it is. Obviously, this was going on elsewhere in the world. I, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that the Bowery wasn't responsible for this in all kinds of other places, you know. No, no, that, you are right, just, though. That's how you, it happened in the UK, you know, f- uh, for sure. And But you, you, you're, right to, you're right with that, though, Paul, because, like, even if you look at, like, modern day, you know, and, like, even modern history, you know, and you want to use, like, I don't know, use... Uh, who's that, that, like, that Russian guy that come out with these fucking super mags and everybody was like, oh my God, this is fucking amazing. And it's just like, this has been done before. 10 years ago, it was done already. More than and then 10 you've years got this ago, guy. Yeah. yeah. Yes. More than 10 years ago yeah. now. And then you've got like this fucking, what's his name? Remy, the something who's had his entire body blacked out. And now he's going over it with like reds and whites yeah. and other things and acting as if like, it's never been done before. And I'm just like, somebody, somebody mentioned it to us in one of our comments. And I was just like, uh, Lucky Diamond, it's been done. It's been done multiple times by multiple people over the years. And it's like... I think it, the it, interesting it's... thing about um, the guy Remy who's getting, you know, all this work done is it's, it's for I think, for the first time, it's being really, really well documented. And it's really showing this is what it looks like on the day. This is what it looks like healed. So you put really, really bright red in, you leave it to go through the heal process and you end up with burgundy. So I think more than anything, it's kind of dispelling the myth that that colour will be that colour when it's healed. It's like, no, you've got to go lighter to aim to allow for the black underneath, you know. In the world of printing, yeah. this would be called something like dot gain, you know. So we allow for dot gain, you know. Things get darker with, with more dots, right, because it's more dense, right? But do you know the problem with that then, right? Is like you've got people that are seeing this happening and going, oh, I, I, and they'll, I've seen a few of them now where they'll get a blackout sleeve and they will be like, oh, you can't put color on top of black, can you? Watch this. And they'll put a video of their fucking tattoo, a full color tattoo they've done on a blackout sleeve. And I'm just looking at it going, yeah, you know, it looks good. It looks impressive, you know, as a fresh tattoo. But what does it, I mean, it ain't going to fucking look like that in a few years' time? It might look okay after it's healed. Well, for a I mean, bit. it's not going to look. It's not going to look like that by the time it's healed. Is the point? And where where I think they but would be even more, that, but they would they would be better off doing it is taking the photograph on the day because yeah, you, you're absolutely right. I've seen them that, that you know they look stunning, but all of us that know what we're looking at, they go yeah. But when it's healed, all those colours are going to be plus forty percent black underneath them, so everything will be darker. And I'd like to see healed photos. And that's what I like about Remy's coverage is that he shows his tattoos when they're fresh, but he also shows them when they're healed and shows the difference. So that documenting of the process is fascinating. But this is the thing, though. Again, I know it is, but it's been done already. Like, that Lucky Diamond was doing it. Yeah, but it hasn't done it. But it hasn't been documented in that way. I think that's the difference. I mean, I don't think he's claiming that it's never been done before. I just don't think he's... I don't think anybody's documented the process quite that much, you know, and and really shown it to people and used the medium of YouTube and and Instagram and that to show, well, this is what you can expect. And And I think, if anything, he's he's doing more to dispel the myth that you know, white will be pure white over black because he shows that here's the pure white on the day, here's what it looks like when it heals. And I actually think he's doing a really good job of showing people if you've got a blackout sleeve and you want red roses over it, this is what you can expect. 
And I, th- I, I think but people job. aren't seeing that though. People, people aren't seeing that. They're just looking at it face value yeah. and going, "Oh, you can put fucking color over tattoos." Well, that's, and well, then that's you because get this- you know the, the 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 modern world uh, has has made people have the attention span of a goldfish. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, it's just that's just one of those things. But I I do lament the the loss of the, the the stranger people. What I thought that I liked about London was uh, I did see a few odd looking people wandering about. And I, oh yeah, there know, was and, a... and so that was that was really nice. I'd like to see more unusual people walking around you know tattoo conventions again. And I'm sure it does around the world. And you guys can comment down below and tell us you know. Is it still odd? You know, uh, do you know? What I, I think here, you know, there. You know. I think um, <laughs> comment down below. I, th- I just think like in the U, like, and I can only use the UK as an example. Like, I just think like in the UK, it's become so trendy. Do you know what I mean yeah. to fucking be a tattooist now that, like, you know, if you go back to a school level, like the likes of me and you were like the rockers in school and shit like that. You know, we are the ones who would have ended up being tattooists. And now, like, the, you know, the, the, the people that were like, you know, the top fucking trendies in school or whatever, I don't know what the fuck they're called. But, uh, you know, those people, the townies, the, the, the kind of people that would never have gone into tattooing have now looked at the industry and gone, oh, tattooing's really cool. I'm going to be a tattooist. Yeah. And that's where, you know, you go back to what you say, the fucking Turkey Teeth Brigade. Yeah. They, they're getting into tattooing. Nothing wrong with turkey teeth if you want to fucking wreck your teeth crack on, like, do you mean? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, like, you get you get more of an influx of those types of people that want to get into tattooing. And they can. Again, tattooing's inclusive. It's inclusive if you want to do it. But that's where you get... But it depends... I think it depends on the attitude that you come in with, right? So that's the thing, is if you, if you turn up with the attitude of, like, this world already exists, I've got to figure out a way to fit in with it, then you do that. And it, But if you turn up with... You know, the the kind of attitude of like, this world exists, but I don't like it, so I want it all changed to suit me. Then, you know, I think it's fair then for us to turn around and go, entitled much? Like, you don't get to change a culture that's that's been around, you know, for 150 years of modern electric yeah. tattooing, right? Uh, you don't get to change it overnight. The only, pro- the only problem you know? with that, though... The the only problem with that though is like with anything you know they always say like strengthening numbers. Yeah. So what you might find and what I most certainly noticed in the tattoo conventions we've been to, especially the bigger ones, that again strengthening numbers. There are more people there that are not that way. They are more like that kind of like you know they present themselves like they fucking their tattoo shop is the Apple Store or something like that. Like do you mean? Yeah. Um. So because of that, that's maybe why tattoo conventions don't look or the industry doesn't look as weird and as, as it used to. And because again, like the convention organizers then have to cater for the majority of the people that go to the shows. And if the majority of the attendees... I don't think the customers um, are that interested in the, the, the kind of very blank ideas and very, you know, very corporate like style IDs. I think they expect that from corporate businesses, but um, I don't think, you know, if you're walking around a tattoo convention and and every banner looks like it could be an IT company, 
Um, I don't think the, the 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 people like the fans are tattooing that are walking around. I don't think that's what they're looking for. I, I mean, then I might be wrong, but certainly for me, having you know been the guy that would have had one of those banners and maybe one of the first people that would have had that kind of banner hanging up because I was a graphic designer, so I just did what I did. Um, I'm looking at it now and certainly going. No, man, if I was working a show next weekend and I was putting a banner together, it would not look like that. It, you know, it would look how, mm. how my artwork looks and, you know, not... I wouldn't have any of that. I'd go a completely different route, you know, and... But you know you know what needs to happen, then, don't you? I think what needs to happen is the people that are... that like the fucking freaky kind of, like, you know, outcast, weird side of tattooing they really need to make more of an effort in regards to how they do their booths and, and to kind of bring it to the shows and yeah. to make it look like that. Because like one thing I will say that I noticed was a lot of the people that I know that are like that, they made very little effort with their booths. So, come, so what we're saying like, is if you want tattooing to stay edgy and to stay outsider, and you go into shows, you've got to let your freak flag fly, right? And so, you know, we, we got it, you know, when you're dressing up your booth, you've got to get freaky with your booth and, and like, no, don't be afraid to be the authentic you, what you love. Don't fall in line with, you know, this is the current trend. Go with what you love and keep tattooing weird. Let's make tattooing weird again and, and a bit outsider and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. Let, like let's do it. smell a new T-shirt coming. The irony of it is tattooing is meant to be inclusive right and we're just basically sitting here going like we need tattooing to be the way it used to be and not the way it's now and everyone needs to be fucking weird and all these turkey teeth people need to fuck off kind of yeah, thing but the, the like, way it used to be was inclusive anyway so that hasn't changed tattooing was all, always inclusive so it doesn't count right so we're not telling we're not saying that you can't get into tattooing if you if you're not weird um, it's like if you want to turn up in a, a Laura Ashley dress and a cardigan, then then go for it, right? Then be but be Mate, the authentic. You've you. got Don't, to be fucking weird. I think you should be as weird as fuck. Like, I th- you've I, got I to think be you, weird. Like yeah. being a tattooist is weird anyway. You know. If you're going to sit job. there inflict pain on people, it, it, I mean, if you're going to sit there hurting people for a living, that there's something fucking weird about you. Like, do you mean? Just the idea of like, I know I'm going to fucking stab people with needles for a living and colour them in. I, That's fucking weird. I don't know. It doesn't seem that weird to me anymore. It, like rubbing <laughs> Vaseline yeah. on men after you've shaved them just doesn't... It, I mean, I'm sure I thought it was weird once, but it just doesn't doesn't strike me as unusual well, yeah. now. <laughs> you know, I don't know why. It's like, how many, how, how many men's legs have you shaved for? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot, right? You know, I've, I've shaved bits of men and women that I would rather not yeah. shave. <laughs> I'm like, I'm so good, right? I, this, this, this well, why is, not? I mean, it's all, you know, I'm, I'm, all part of life's rich tapestry. Oh, fuck yeah. I, I'm so good, right, at fucking shaving now, right? I literally give women advice on shaving their legs. Because, like, I've shaved so many fucking different legs over the years that, like, I know all the fucking tricks. Let's make tattooing a little bit weird and maybe not scary, yeah. but let's make it weird. And it'll, it'll be, if it's weird, it'll be scary to the people that think that weird is scary. But I personally don't. I love it 
weird. I love odd, genuinely odd people are some of my favourite people in the world. So if you are genuinely odd and you're going to a tattoo convention, please let your freak flag fly. And if I'm there filming, come and find me and I'll film you because that's the kind of stuff I want to see arriving at tattoo conventions. Uh, and I think we can maybe grab a little bit of it back from the... Um, you know, from the people that want to turn up and turn it into some corporate nonsense. Uh, for the record, I don't blame the corporate companies that are in this because they're doing a different thing. They're part of the tattoo industry. We're part of the tattoo community. And I think the community... It's just people want to make it look like hair salons. You know, yeah, let's not do that. And so with that, this has been That Tattoo Show. I've been Paul. And I've been Chris. Tell the lawyer, tell the judge, tell the priest, tell all the freaks and the weirdos. <laughs> so come along, come back, man. Where you been? Like, we miss you. Come back to tattooing. Let's make it weird again. And with that, this has been That Tattoo Show, and we'll see you next week. Take care, guys. Tati, bye. Mm.